Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Before we get into the message, I want to say that it's absolutely reasonable that, and it's expected, that we serve the Lord. I mean, he's 100% worthy, 100% times 100% worthy to be served. Um, And we should, with a glad heart, serve the Lord. Uh, Witnessing to the lost shouldn't be a burden, although at times dealing with people can be burdensome. But But dealing with the Lord isn't. We should be happy to serve him. He is worthy of our praise. And, Ephesians chapter 2, the most common question that you'll get, and I'll get, you, you know this as well as I do, I'm good. I'm a good person. Can I give you some good news about Jesus? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Where do we go to take him? Ephesians 2 and Titus chapter 3. You can ask him, hey, you've got a minute. Can I show you what the Bible says? Just one minute. One minute and two verses. Ephesians chapter 2. Let them see this for themselves. For by grace, verse 8, are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So according to God, can your good works save you? What does it say? No, can't. Because it's not of works. And then ask them, why isn't it of works? Well, lest any man should boast. Because if salvation was of works, you would see the manifestation of pride even more abundant than we do today because you could say, well, I did better than this guy. You know how that'll play out. It's not of works because we would just boast our way into heaven. And that's why verse eight, it is by grace. I'm a good person, not good enough. God saves by his grace. It's a gift that he gives to you. Will you receive it? Okay, next, Titus chapter 3. Okay, move them on and get them to Titus chapter 3. And say one more verse, one more verse. Let me show it to you real quick. Titus chapter 3. Look at what verse 5 says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying in these things. I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Where is good works put? It's put after salvation. And you can show them again. What does verse say, 7 say? How are we justified? By grace. Ephesians 2. How are we saved? By grace. How are we not saved? Have them look at Titus 3 verse 5 again. And show them. Not by works of righteousness. Which we have done. What's it according to? His mercy. He saved us. All right, so that's how very simply two passages of scripture you can take a lost person to. You think you're you think you're a good person? You can ask them, 
we've, we've probably all asked that question before. Yeah, I do. Okay, can I show you in the Bible? Two verses. Take them right here. Ephesians 2 and, and Titus chapter 3. Uh, let's get Romans chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. Romans chapter 1. And then Colossians chapter number 2. The next question will answer with scripture to a lost person is going to be this people say well if god is so loving why would a loving god send anyone to hell have you ever heard that one i'm sure you have first off you can't define love as non-confrontational so when someone asks that question they're asking the wrong question because the way that the question is framed, it presupposes that love is non-confrontational. And number two, you can't define God as unloving because he sends people to hell. You just can't do it. So a lot of, not a lot, but some of this is correcting the way people ask questions. The better question was, would be this. Since God is love. Right, because the Bible says God is love. Since He is love, why do some people go to hell? That's probably a better question to start with. And the Bible explains why. Look at Romans chapter one. It says, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened that's a great verse to take somebody to that says well how can a loving god send anyone to hell well how can someone that god has given the truth hold it in unrighteousness they want to put god on trial when they ask this question do your best to allow the bible to put them on trial how can god how can you, when God shows you something, why would you reject it? Put them on trial because that's what happens in Romans chapter number one. Look at it again. We'll break it down. By the way, verse 16, famous verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and salvation. We should not be ashamed. But when we see verse number 18 at the end of it, why do people end up in hell? Because they hold the truth in unrighteousness. So don't put it on God, lost man, lost woman, lost boy, lost girl. Turn it around and put it on them like God does in Romans chapter number one. Why are you holding the truth in unrighteousness? Look at verse number 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. 
Everybody starts with a knowledge of God. Everybody knows that they're a God. That there's, well, people think that they're a God. I had a little tongue slip there. Everybody knows there is a God. They just don't want to give glory to God. So instead, they'll hold the truth in unrighteousness, and God, he reveals truth to them. God has given light for every man to know who he is. Through his creation, through conscience, through their conscience. He's revealed it to them through a gospel witness. He shows them truth. And then finally, verse number 20. We, I just touched on it, but the creation of the world are clearly seen. There's no way somebody can look up at the creation or look out into creation. And deny that there's a God. The only way they can do it is if they hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's man doing that. That's not God. God wants them to come to him. God. Revealed himself to them, but they glorified him not as God. And they become fools in the process as they profess themselves to be wise. Colossians 2. Yes, God is love. Why do some people go to hell? They hold the truth in unrighteousness and they don't want to receive what God has revealed to them. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Look what it says. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And the only acceptable payment that the lost man or lost woman doesn't want to receive is the payment of Jesus Christ. He blotted it out. He nailed it on the cross. Everything that was against us. So why do some people go to hell? They won't receive what God. They won't receive the payment that God made for them. That's why but the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. If you want to try to pay your own wage. Going to merit you death. You're going to die. You want to pay your own way. You want to pay for your own sins. It's going to render you death. So I'm a good person. Why would a loving God send anyone to hell? Well, I just feel that God will forgive me. After all, God is loving. And after all, God loves me. Well, he does love you. Get Jeremiah chapter 17. He does love you, and that's why he paid your sin. Is that okay? There's Jeremiah. Proverbs 14, 12, remember it says, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Man thinks he knows how to get to God. And Jeremiah chapter 17, we'll run a couple of these. Look at verse number nine. This is real familiar. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You can't trust your own heart and your own feelings. There's a way that seems right. Look at Jeremiah 20 and the 12th verse. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse number 12. But, O Lord of hosts, 
that triest the righteous and seest the reins and the hearts. Let me see thy vengeance on them. For unto thee have I opened my cause. God seest the reins. Look at another one in Jeremiah chapter 11. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 11. You really only need two of these to show a lost person. If he gives you the argument, well, God's just loving. He's going to. He's going to forgive me and send me to heaven. No, he's not. Bring him the Proverbs 14, 12, and then Jeremiah 17, 9. And that should be enough for them to consider they're off track. Jeremiah 11 and the 20th verse. Again, but O Lord of hosts, that judgest righteously and triest the reins and the heart. See it? God is going to judge how righteously. And he's the one that tries the reins and the heart. He knows your heart. It's so wicked, you don't know it, but God does. All right, let's go back to Proverbs. Look at the 17th chapter. Proverbs 17. We see the same thing. Proverbs chapter 17. Look at the third verse. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Let the Lord try your heart. Really try to get a lost person to consider that. Let's go back to Psalms. We'll do two more in this heading. We'll do Psalm 139 and Psalm 7. Psalm 139, verse number 23. Last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that's good. You can bring somebody right back to the Old Testament. In Psalm 139, the last two verses. Allow God, as tell, tell the law first, allow God to search. Allow God to try all of your thoughts and see if there's any wickedness in you. He's going to find it, and you're going to need a payment for it. And ask him, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. And he'll do it. Psalm chapter 7. And verse number nine, Psalm seven, verse nine. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. You can think and feel and have all the emotions that you want. But God's word. Yes, God loves you, but God's word doesn't care how you feel emotionally. God said, he's the way. And he said that he was going to try your heart, and it's wicked. You need a payment. You need a payment for your sin. Go over to keep your... Uh, well, let's go Isaiah 55 and Proverbs 27.
Psalms 27. Go back. Oh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 27, my fault. Aren't people busy today? Sure are. A lot of busy, busy, busy people, especially at the fair. We did the outreach all week. People just busy. They don't have time to talk. We get a handful of people that will stop and talk. But, you know, that's common at festivals and fairs like that. People want to go about their business. But another common objection or you hear somebody say is, well, I don't really have time right now. You know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm in a hurry. I don't want to think about this. Isaiah 55, verse number six says very simply, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And if people would just stop and consider that the greatest deception, one of the greatest deceptions that Satan has cast upon this world is that they've got enough time. And praise the Lord if you're able to live a long life into your 70s and 80s and 90s. Praise God. But too many people take for granted that, that God's going to give them another year or another month or another week or another day. And at any time, anybody can pass out of this world and into eternity. And you've got to seek the Lord while he may be found. Because after you die, the judgment, that's it. You're not going to find them. Proverbs 27. Verse number one. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Better be careful. Tomorrow might not come. Show that verse to a lost person. Let me show you two. They say, I don't have time. Do you have time? Just one verse. One verse. Proverbs 27.1. Look at Proverbs 29.1. He, uh, Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Remedy. Harden your neck, harden your neck. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. And then one day, destruction comes your way. Your life is snuffed out. And that's it. Now there's no remedy for your sin. I'm telling you, the deception that we got enough time is a lie from the devil. This is one of the reasons why we're so active. And we press upon people the emphasis and the urgency of getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Hit Luke 12. One more on this. I don't have enough time. You better make some time. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verse number 19. And we can back it up a bit here. 
uh, verse 16, Jesus, he's going to speak a parable unto them, and he's saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. That's pretty good to have some land to be rich. Work that land, you get a bunch of crops. And he said, verse 18, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. Must be nice. <laughs> Try to scrounge up enough money to build, build one barn. <laughs> Let alone demo one and build another. But praise the Lord, he's got the means to do it. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Look at verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thou soul, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those these things be? Which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. And is not rich. Toward God. Riches keep a lot of people out of the kingdom. Of God. Because they're entirely distracted by it. They don't have time to think about eternal things. Because the physical things down here on earth. Are so richly abundant. That they never take the time to consider. Seeking the Lord while he may be found. Luke chapter 12. Be ready to take a lost person there. And they say well I'm not ready. Here's a big one. Acts 2.38. Oh boy. You would think some people think that the Bible stops. At, the, at verse 47. And that's it. The Bible's done at the end of Acts chapter 2. But it isn't. There's some denominations. They build their whole doctrine around. Just the Bible and Acts 2. Look what it says in Acts 2, verse 38. Uh, then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent, comma, and repentance is the key to the remission. Baptism reflects what has been done in your heart. If you ask somebody when they're in jail, they're in jail, and you say, what are you in jail for? And they say, I'm in jail for murder. You know what that means? Because they have murdered, now they're in the jail cell because of. And that type of phraseology happens all the time. And to take that verse and turn it into a complete and entire heretical doctrine, it's false. It's wrong. Peter's telling them they've responded from their heart. And because your sins have been remitted, because you've repented, because you, 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 because of the repentance, you've received the full remission. Now get on down here and let's get in some water. That makes sense. Look at Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I want you to look at this. It says, Matthew 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. 
But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoe I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then it goes on. We're not going to preach on the distinction there. But I want to point out, watch what John says. He says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. Why? Because the Savior was coming. I'm going to baptize you unto repentance. Savior's coming. Jesus Christ is coming. Next to the Savior's already come. He's there. Been done. And so Peter says in Acts 2.38. Did you believe what I told you? Okay. Come on down here and let's get in some water. Will the water save me? No. The water won't save you. You're getting baptized because your sins have already been remitted. That makes sense. Romans chapter four. Did circumcision save Abraham? No. Watch what it says. Romans chapter four. For if Abraham were justified by works, which he wasn't. Not before God, at least. He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham was circumcised, and that was counted unto him for righteousness. No, it doesn't say that. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Circumcision didn't save Abraham. Just like water baptism doesn't save you. You must believe what God has revealed to you. And when you believe, he saves you by his grace. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. This is so good. Look at verse 14. Paul says, under the Holy Ghost inspiration of verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He said, He's not saying you guys aren't in Christ. He's saying, look, I'm glad I'm baptized. None of you fellas. Because he didn't come to preach baptism. He came to preach the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Last question. Last question. We'll answer tonight. Get John 3. You heard this a lot this week. Well, I go to church. Or the opposite. I haven't been in church in so long. As if that is somehow going to. Get you in or keep you out. The greatest church member. Verse number one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. and Said unto him rabbi. He knew Jesus as rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher. He knew he was a good teacher. Come from God. For no man can do these miracles. He knew Jesus did miracles. 
that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, that's a religious man. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus does what every lost man does. He argues with God. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That was born of the flesh of flesh, that was born of the spirit of spirit. Marvel not thus unto thee, he must be born. Again, John chapter 3 is a great place to take somebody when they say, Well, I've been in church my whole life. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listed. Now here's the sound thereof. Canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Now watch what Jesus says, or asks rather, in, in, in verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? The best I can come up with. Go back to Ezekiel 36. I think this is what Nicodemus was thinking. There we go. Ezekiel 36. You're talking about a religious man, somebody that knew a lot about Jesus. He had to have known the Old Testament. Pharisee, right? Look what it says in Ezekiel 36, verse number 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. New spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. It was on. But. He's got to be thinking. I mean this is the nation that's going to be restored. By the time we get to Ezekiel 37, we're going to have God breathing prophetically. He's going to breathe life into that nation. They're finally going to have God's breath of life in them. He's got to be referring back to this. At least he's got to be thinking on this. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. The bottom line is he's not thinking the way he should be thinking. And what does Jesus tell him? You must be born again. Let's do two more verses and then we'll wrap it up. Let's get Luke 5 and Mark 7. All right, we'll do Luke. Uh, let's do Luke 5 first. Luke 5, get on down some to verse 30. Okay, here we go. 31. He's dealing with Pharisees. They just have a problem every time Jesus gives somebody else attention and not them. So they always got a question to try to trap the Lord in. 
In verse 31, Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when somebody says, I go to church, or I've been a member of such and such my whole life. Look, it's good to go to church, right? It's good to have a membership at a church, right? But we got to ask these questions nowadays because too many people are trusting in that for their salvation. And if you're professing that to show your righteousness before God, he's looking for a sinner. He's looking for someone that's going to say, I'm a sinner. I'm not righteous. You're trusting in church membership to somehow merit you some righteousness before God. He says, I have come to call sinners to repentance. And we've got to get lost people to see it from a different lens, a different view, and just make sure they're not trusting in their church membership for salvation. Some people just say that they've trusted the Lord. Some people just, they just say the wrong thing. Have you ever done that? Yeah, you'll do that when you get older. You don't do it when you're younger. You got it all worked out. Last one, Mark 7. Mark chapter 7. And verse 5. Here's what we need to be careful of when we're dealing with a lost person. Verse 5 in Mark chapter 7. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why well, walk now thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well, if Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that may, ye may keep your own tradition. I go to church. I have a religion. Religion enslaves, Jesus always saves. This idea of formalism, this idea of uh, traditions to get you to heaven, we don't believe in that. You're following a tradition of men to try to merit righteousness to God. We know, we know that's not right. But a lost person doesn't. They just need to be reminded. Of it. We're not trying to turn into a hypocrite and keep traditions of man. We forget what God tells us. How true salvation is merited. It must be born again. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.